Hey gang, in this video, I'm gonna do a couple things for you. I'm gonna show you what cybersecurity is, why it's so important, and what cybersecurity roles are out there, and last but not least, how you can get into cybersecurity. Hey gang, it's Ron from icmagicky.com. I'm a former staff sergeant and I help people who are burnt out in their current careers transition into a career in tech. So today in this video, I wanna show you guys how to get into cybersecurity, like I said a few minutes ago. So what exactly is cybersecurity? Let's break it down. So first thing is cybersecurity is important, like really important. So being proactive in cybersecurity can mean a difference between your identity being stolen, a organization going out of business, or having to pay millions and millions and millions of dollars. So let's break down what exactly is cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is super important. It's literally securing people's cyber lives, cyber profiles. As you already know, everything we do is on the internet. Everything we do is connected to the internet. Literally, my washing machine and dryer is connected to the internet, right? So we're super interconnected. And each one of these devices in my home, in your home, is collecting a lot of data. So that data is so important. If somebody steals your phone, do you think that's a misdemeanor or a felony? It's actually a felony. It used to be a misdemeanor. Why is it a felony now? Because all of the information that is on your phone. So what kind of stuff do you have on your phone? You got pictures, stuff that you don't want your mama to see and stuff that I damn sure don't want to see. You got banking information, you got text messages, you got all type of information that somebody could steal your identity, blackmail you, do all types of crazy stuff. And then think about it. A lot of times you have things on your device, on your cell phone, where you stay signed in. So somebody gets your device, they have a lot of access to a lot of the different stuff that you do, right? So cybersecurity is important and cybersecurity roles are important and cybersecurity skills are important. And this is one of the reasons why cybersecurity is booming, is gonna to continue to grow, right? So cybersecurity in a nutshell is securing all of that data all those devices to prevent and be proactive on actually losing data, losing your information, and pretty much getting hacked. Now that was me paraphrasing, but to get super technical, cybersecurity is gonna cover three areas. You're gonna protect confidentiality, integrity, and availability of digital assets. Now the importance of cybersecurity cannot be understated, can be underestimated, right? The frequency and the sophistication of cyber attacks is getting more and more and more advanced every day, right? So to ensure that that CIA is definitely kept intact, the confidentiality, the integrity and availability, a lot of organizations, a lot of businesses are making sure that people like you stay safe by employing people like me and my students to make sure that all of those digital assets are protected. Now you're probably thinking, Rob, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about the money? What about the jobs? Well, there's a bunch of jobs 
for cybersecurity. And a lot of these jobs pay way more than a lot of entry level positions and a lot of other positions in general. Cybersecurity is definitely one of those roles where you can get an entry level position making 70 to 80,000, right? There's many cybersecurity experts that are making well over six figures, right? So, and a lot of other jobs and a lot of the fields that's like the top of the top, or it may not even be a possibility. So this is one of the reasons why it is super important for you to get these skills. If you want to increase your income, if you want to have skills that literally, if you want to go from Detroit to Decatur, Georgia, to Dagestan, you can uh, have skills and opportunities for whatever you want to do. So what are some of the roles that you might want to be interested in? Security analysts, and you're responsible for monitoring systems, identifying vulnerabilities, and responding to security incidents. You could be an ethical hacker. So if you're an ethical hacker, you're pretty much a hacker for the good guys. You can conduct authorized penetration testing to identify and fix any vulnerabilities that you might find. Incident response is another big one. So you would just handle response and recovery processes during after whatever incident happens as far as cybersecurity is concerned. Another one is a security architect. So this guy or girl will design and implement security systems and controls to protect network and infrastructure. Last but not least would be cryptographic or cryptography or cryptographic algorithms, right? So that is a tongue twister. I almost damn passed out trying to say that. Uh, so this person, so you're gonna actually develop um, cryptographic algorithms and protocols to make sure that communication is kept secure. So those are just a few examples. And those examples are for people who have the skills to actually get these types of jobs, right? These types of positions. Now let's get to the good part. Let's talk about ways to actually implement this stuff. Let's talk about ways to actually get into cybersecurity. So I got five tips that you guys need to execute to land a cybersecurity role to start your cybersecurity journey. Here we go. So tip number one is having a strong foundation. You have to have a really good foundation in a couple different areas to be well-versed in cybersecurity. You gotta have a profound understanding of networking and operating systems to really understand the intricacies inside of cybersecurity and how to really, really, really secure different types of devices and different types of networks. Tip number two is just developing your skills and working with different tools how to set up firewalls, how to do penetration tests. You have to have technical skills, right? So it's cool to have book smarts and no definitions of stuff, but you have to have technical skills. You have to actually be able to do the job to get the job. Number three, you gotta stay informed. If you do not like to learn, this is not for you. When I tell you stuff is going super fast, stuff is upgrading, evolving, mutating, whatever you wanna call it, a new virus pops up every day. A new type of malware pops up every day. If you don't like to learn, this is not the gig for you. Tip number four, your network equals your net worth. Who do you know? Nobody? Well, you're messing up, right? You gotta have some friends, gotta have some buddies in the space. Most importantly, you need to have a mentor, right? You gotta have a mentor, somebody you can bounce ideas off of, somebody that can actually tell you, okay, this is what I did and this is what you need to do to get to where you wanna get to, right? So your network is super important. Make sure that you grow your network. Speaking of growing your network, if you wanna connect with me, go ahead and follow the steps in the description. I'm super active on LinkedIn, and LinkedIn is a powerhouse for mentorships, 
people in the tech space, people in the cybersecurity space. So add me as one of your connections, shoot me a DM in my inbox and let's connect. One thing, only one thing I ask when connected with me, do not message me saying that you want to pick my brain. Do not do that. If you do that, two things are going to happen. I'm going to block you and then I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to slap you and everybody that's in the house dogs, babies, whoever's there, grandma is getting slapped. So don't do that. Tip number five is getting some certifications. You need to get certified in this space, right? In this space, it's a little bit different than other spaces. Degrees are cool, but certifications are where it's at. That's what employers are looking for. That's what contractors are looking for. You need to be certified. This pretty much stamps that, okay, this guy or this girl knows what they're doing. They can execute, they can do what we need them to do, so on and so forth. And also, in my experience and my students' experience, certifications make up for a lack of experience, right? So a lot of times, jobs want you to have five, 10 years of experience. And a lot of times people are saying like, how the hell do I get experience without experience, right? Those certifications knock down that obstacle, knock down that barrier. So make sure that you get certified. You might be thinking, great, Rob, I need to get certified, but what certification do I need? So I would strongly recommend that you go after a certification called Security Plus. Let's go ahead and dive right into that. So Security Plus is usually the first cybersecurity certification that people look at or go after, right? Now, it's usually their first cybersecurity certification. Should it be your first certification? No. Hell no. Right? Now, in the comments, it's going to be somebody say, yeah, I would have security plus. Okay, cool. That's you. I've been doing this for a decade plus. I got 15,000 plus students taught. And what I found time and time and time again, those people that somehow looked up and got security plus first, they got the certification but they could not land a job. They didn't have a strong foundation that I told you about. They just somehow were a great test taker. They had the piece of paper, but they did not have the skill set, right? So I strongly recommend, this is what I did, this is what all of my students do, make sure that you have other certifications or experience, preferably both, but for sure one of the two before you go after Security Plus. Do not make this mistake. Do not go after Security Plus first. Do not do that. Do not do that. It is not a good idea, but you're grown. If you want to do that, great. If that's on you, but if you want to talk to somebody or take tutelage from somebody that knows what the hell they're talking about and not a random person in the comments, I strongly recommend do not take security plus first. So in a nutshell, the security plus is going to go over a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, right? And it's going to be a 90 question test and you're going to have 90 minutes to take those 90 questions. Now you have a maximum of 90 questions. You may get less than that, but don't expect more than 90 questions. No matter how many questions you get, you're only going to have 90 minutes. Now I want to go over the core of the actual exam, what to expect for sure. Now there's going to be a bunch of topics inside of these domains, inside of the topics I talk about, but this is going to be the core of the exam. So the main things that you have to be well-versed in on the exam, you got to know about threats, attacks, and vulnerabilities technologies and tools, architecture and design, identity and access management, risk management, and last but not least, cryptography and PKI. Now, as a bonus, I actually have a 
10 question quiz for you guys, a practice test to see where you are, right? If you get all of these questions right, are you ready for the exam? No, it just means that you're well-versed in some of the topics that may be presented. You still need to come up with an action plan. You still need to come up with a study plan. You still need to get a mentorship. You still need to get some training material that works. Thinking about uh, getting certified, head over to itmagicky.com and fill out our application. We are enrolling right now for our next cohort of the Zero to IT Hero program. If you got any questions, comments, or concerns, you can follow the directions in the description. It'll get you exactly where you need to get to. We have 10 slots. Okay. Just think about this. We got 10 slots. This as of right now, um, this video is going to be seen by hundreds of thousands of people. We got 30,000 uh, subscribers on YouTube. We got an email list. Those slots are going to fill up fast. So if you're interested, apply, apply, apply. Why'd I do that? I don't know. Anyway, let's get into these questions. Here's the first question, gang. A company's database administrator suspects that an unauthorized user gained access to a critical database. Which of the following actions should be taken first? Shut down the entire database, inform senior management about potential breach, collect evidence and preserve logs for forensic analysis, change the database administrator's password. Now, you guys most likely were thinking that it needed to be shut down the entire database system, right? Is that what we were thinking? Unfortunately, it wouldn't be that, right? I would say the first thing that you would do is collect evidence and preserve logs for forensic analysis. One of the reasons why you don't want to shut down the entire database, most likely that database is tied to a lot of different devices, a lot of different users, and shutting down that database may cause more harm than good, right? And then also you may not need to shut down the entire database. They may only have access to certain things. So that's what the collecting evidence is going to do, right? For one, it's going to allow you to be able to prosecute that person, go after them, but also see what they had access to and what they did, right? So I would say that the answer would be collect evidence and preserve logs for uh, forensic analysis. Now, after you do that, I would do B. I would inform like, Hey man, I got the evidence. I got everything going on, I would inform my supervisor or the incident response team, right? So inform somebody above you or somebody that, you know, depending on what the procedures are for your uh, job, your organization, make sure that they know, hey man, something bad happened, please help, right? Um, and changing the database uh, administrator's password, you do need to do that after you've done all those other things just to make sure that you know, whoever had access doesn't still have access because most likely that's how they gain access because they had uh, some passwords, right? All right, gang, next question. A company wants to ensure the confidentiality of sensitive customer data being transmitted over the internet. Which of the following encryption methods should be used? Wired equivalent privacy, advanced encryption standard, secure socket layer, Rivis Shamir Adel. Now for this, it's gonna be SSL or Secure Socket Layer, which is a protocol that makes sure that communication is secure and encrypted 
when you're on the internet, right? So secure socket layer would be the answer for this. Now, WEP or WEP is one of the weakest forms of security when it comes to any type of communication or doing anything. Um, AES is a standard that's used within SSL. And last but not least, RSA is usually used for digital signatures. So depending on uh, where you're watching this, make sure that you put in the comments uh, what you're doing, what you're going after, and what your plan is moving forward just to keep you accountable, right? So it may be some people in here to say, hey man, you suck. So just remember that, that you know, in a year or so, you may get you know, a comment replying like, what happened, what's going on? And if you don't reply to that comment, if you don't have a good update, people are gonna assume that, hey, you were full of doo-doo and you did what you said you was gonna do. So let's get into the next question. An organization wants to authenticate users based on their physical characteristics. Which of the following methods would be best to accomplish this? Multi-factor authentication, biometric authentication, single sign-on, certificate-based authentication. So you guys are super smart, so I'm pretty sure you already knew what the answer is to this. So biometric means that it's gonna use something that's biologically a part of you, right? So biologically a part of you, so that's iris scans, fingerprint scans, that type of stuff, right? Uh, Multi-factor authentication simply means that you use more than one type of thing to authenticate. It may be a username and an ID badge, it may be an ID badge and a password, it may be a fingerprint and a password, right? But since this is mainly talking about physical characteristics, the main thing that's gonna pop up is uh, the biometrics, right? Uh, single sign-on or SSO simply means that you sign on one time and you have access to several different things, right? So Google has this implemented like across the board where you can sign into Google and you got access to Google Drive, you got access to Google Calendar, you got access to Facebook, you know, so on and so forth, where you can sign into one thing one time, but you have access to multiple things, right? Um, certificate base uh, wouldn't really make sense here because it already said uh, physical characteristics, right? Makes sense. Next question, gang. A security analyst receives an alert indicating that a system has been compromised by malware. What should be the analyst's immediate response? Disconnect the affected system from the network, shut down the entire network to prevent further spread, disable the antivirus software on the affected system, collect a sample of the malware for analysis. So the first thing you need to do is disconnect it from the network because a lot of viruses, a lot of malware like to propagate, like to replicate, meaning that it wants to get to as many devices, as many users as fast as possible. So whoever the culprit is, whatever computer is sick, whatever device is sick, you want to make sure you get it off of the network so it doesn't um, duplicate itself. Now, um, shutting down the entire network is going to piss some people off, right? So 
Imagine Google. Google has had malware and viruses and got hacked before. Imagine if they shut down Google's entire network. A lot of stuff would stop working, right? Or if YouTube, when it got hacked, you know, what would happen, right? You can't shut down the entire network most times, right? Disabling the antivirus, only a dummy would do that. That doesn't make sense. Um, and then collecting a sample of the malware, that would be after you figured out where the corporate was, stopped it, then you can do all that extra stuff, right? You, right now, you wanna stop the threat. It's gotta be over with, you gotta get rid of it, okay? Next question. A company's employees frequently access sensitive information remotely. Which of the following technologies would be most effective in securing these remote connections? A VPN, an IDS, an ACL, an IPS. So gang, before we talk about this answer, on the actual exam, a lot of the answers, a lot of the questions are gonna include acronyms. And it's not gonna have what the acronym stands for in parentheses. So I always tell my students, make sure that you know what acronyms mean, if something breaks, how you fix it, so on and so forth, right? But if you run across something, you don't know what it means, you need to research it, right? You need to make sure that you know what the hell it is, because it's gonna come up on the actual exam. Now. To secure things remotely, right, you're gonna use a VPN. Now, since working from home is a big deal now, since uh, remote working is a big deal, most organizations make you use a VPN, which is a virtual private network. And it literally just secures the information going from you to the website, right? So just make sure that if you're using a VPN that it's set up correctly and that you're using it properly, right? Now the other stuff, um, an intrusion detection system is a little bit more sophisticated. If it's an intruder, it'll stop it. An access control list can be on a switch, can be on a router, and it literally just controls the access to a device, to software, so on and so forth, right? If you're not on that list, you ain't gonna get no access. Uh, last but not least, an intrusion prevention system is somewhat like an IDS, but a lot more sophisticated. But for this one, I would definitely say a VPN. An organization wants to ensure that employees are using strong passwords. Which of the following password policies would be most effective? Requiring passwords to be changed every six months, implementing a minimum password length of eight characters, allowing the reuse of previous passwords after three changes, enforcing a password complexity requirement. Now for this one, you will wanna make sure the passwords were complex, right? So you want it to include uppercase, lowercase, numbers, special characters, just to make sure it's not easily guessed, right? Because believe it or not, one of the number one passwords is still one, two, three, or password, which is completely crazy that people are still using this type of stuff. But you wanna make sure that it's as complex as possible. The minimum password length of eight characters wouldn't really achieve what we were trying to do making sure that you couldn't re, uh, reuse our previous passwords. That is uh, a great thing to also add to this is making sure that you can't reuse passwords, right? Because if people have a password expiration and they keep on allowing them to use the same password over and over and over again, 
nine times out of 10, they done written their password down in their phone, they done written it down on their desk, they got it all different types of places. So you want to make sure that they have to change um, the password, even if it's a one or two characters, but it can't be the same, right? So making sure that the passwords are complex would definitely be a good thing to do for this, right? So gang, hopefully this was very informative. If you're looking to get certified in 90 days, if you're looking to start a career in 90 days, if you're looking to transition to IT in the next 90 days, make sure you follow the steps in the description or head over to itmagicky.com and apply right now for our next cohort. Other than that, I know this was valuable. Like, comment, subscribe, and I'll see you in class.